it. Thank you. Got quite a number of um, verses to go through today. So hopefully um, you can follow. Got them all on the overhead. the first slide. There we go. Okay. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a voice, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with thongs, thongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Let's pray. Father God, we stand in awe of your majesty, of your, um, your amazing, amazing God that is holy. And Lord, as we, as we gather together here today, Lord, and as we spend these next 25, 30 minutes talking about your holiness, Lord. We can never do it any justice, but Father, we just pray that you may get our minds in a, in a mood to be able to hear your words and to read through your words, Father, that we may be able to get a glimpse of your holiness, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your word that, um, that guides us and that reveals to us what you are like, Father, and it's... Um, it's, a, it's an, it's an honour and a privilege to, to serve you, Father. And as we go and as we share in the next 25 and 30 minutes, as I said, Lord, um, I, we, we know that there's angels that are, that are worshipping you and seraphims that are praising your holy name and continuously day and night your word says that they are just calling out, Holy, Holy is Lord God Almighty. What an awesome scene that must be. Father, we pray that you may have mercy on us and speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as uh, you can see by the title, I'll be talking about that we serve about a holy God. Now, I know that I cannot do justice to this topic. I know that I'm not qualified to speak on this. But I'll do my best to give you a bit of a glimpse of God's holiness if I can. In the passage in the Bible that 
that deals with holiness in Isaiah chapter 6. It's, in, it's an incredible description as we've just read. And, um, and it's kind of amazing what actually Isaiah did see. And uh, how he saw God being high and lifted up and with angels ministering to him in a, in a temple, in a heavenly temple and uh, around the throne of God. Now, there's another chapter that is very similar to this and it's in Revelations chapter 4. We won't be going into there, but it talks also about a very similar description, but it also has a few additional details. And it talks about before the throne, there's a sea of glass like crystal and four creatures ministering both day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And he says that that is continuously happening there. Now, these visions that were given to men, to, to John in Revelation and to Isaiah here in chapter 6, they were just men, just like we are. So they had limitations on what they could comprehend. And it was just a fraction of the holiness and the majesty and the glory of God Almighty. That, that, that's all that I could write, just glimpses of it. And not very much, but because they were limited to that, they cannot express the holiness of God. But this uh, being said, it just gives us glimpses and we can just stand in amazement towards the great God that we serve. What a great God that we serve. Now, to understand, we need to know the background of Isaiah chapter 6. And it's important to know that what it was like to be a prophet in the Old Testament. And to be a prophet in the Old Testament was a thankless job. It was not one that was appreciated by many people. Because as you know, most of us here that read this Bible know that the prophet very often had to give bad news to people. And that's not what people wanted to hear. So the false prophets were loved by the people because they usually told people what they wanted to hear. But the true prophets would say what God wanted them to hear and so they weren't very liked. And there's many times that they were you know, killed. There's times when they were, they, they were targeted to, get this, to destroy them. So the scripture tells us also tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. So what was then, what was God then, God is also now. And it's also true today. Um, here in, in chapter in chapter six, we we go through through the recording and in, in verse one, which is the next slide that we have, he says, The year King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, Uzziah was a, was a great king. He became king at the age of 16 and ruled for 52 years. And it was a really prosperous time for the Israelites, for, for the people of God. It was a great time because he was a king of Judah, by the way, not Israel. And, um, and But he was... as you know, second to only Solomon's time. They were really blessed because he was a great king and he was a good king. But then he had a downfall and it seems that happens very often. 
You see, God, in the old days, it happens a bit in these days too, is when God lifts someone up and when someone becomes king, and that's why we have so many times in the scripture that the God did what was pleasing in the sight of God. Or we have other times that it says, and he did evil in the sight of God. And so people, and, and what seemed to be the problem a lot of the times, and this is no exception, is that he was, when he was lifted up, he became proud. And that happens. You see, a lot of times, and it, it happens in our life too, doesn't it? In your achievements, what you've achieved, you think, well, look what I've achieved. Imagine a king at the next level that he will take credit for everything that's happened in his kingdom and will say, this is what I've achieved. And God didn't want that. And God doesn't want that in our lives also, that we claim that, look what I've done, look what I've achieved, look at the church and the group of people that I have, and look at and in any way that you can apply to the success of your life. So God lifts people up and puts them in higher position, but then he struggles and he, he doesn't struggle, but he dislikes and doesn't like when people claim that, um, when claim that credit. And it wasn't them. Now, I, I'd like to go back to Isaiah. And when the prophet is called by God, it's what they did, the prophets, they would record. They would record the calling. so they, Because a lot of them would reject the calling. And they'd say, no, God, send someone else. Don't send me. I can't do this task. But then if they did accept it, like Isaiah did here, as we read, he accepts the challenge, he accepts to be a prophet, and then they struggle thereafter. So it's important for them to write and to recall exactly what happened. And you see Isaiah, if he write, wrote all this, and he remembers this, and in times of trouble, when he sees this image again in his mind, just imagine, he's not going to have any doubts, is he? Do you, oh, has anyone in here ever experienced a miracle in their lives? And I'd really struggle if anyone didn't say, I did, in my life. I'm pretty sure that just about every one of you had an answered prayer. An answered prayer is a miracle. And that you've seen a miracle, that something that you've experienced personally in your life, that you would classify that as a miracle because God did it for you. Now, if God answered a miracle, how many miracles you've experienced would be probably hard to number them. But do you struggle to remember them? You know, we... we turn around we think God this was amazing and I know it's happened to me and that's why I'm saying it because I, 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 I go through a, a, a period or I go through a time and I see God perform something and answer a prayer and just do something amazing in, in my life and then you know six months down the track I forget about it and that's why it was important for Isaiah to record that and so if you continue reading, in, in, and we won't read here, but the chapter, the same chapter in chapter 6, if you continue reading, God tells him to go to the people and to speak to the people, but the people will not listen to him. So you'd think, well, why would he take a job, a responsibility? Why would you become a preacher if you're told, take care of these people, but they're not going to listen to you? And I believe that after everything that he saw in the description that he wrote here, how could he say no? How could Isaiah say no when he saw God in his majesty? When he saw God on his throne, how could he ever say no?
You know, um, the other thing that I wanted to share a little bit is in verse 1. He talks, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, his robe filled the temple. Remember the weddings that we've seen recently? We saw a royal wedding, and we saw one some five, six years ago. And I don't know about you, but I think it's a big talk in, in, in the media that people talk about the, wear, the dress of the bride. And I talked about the bride last time, but the, the veil that she has and how long it is, it's almost ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, you saw the veil is about 20, 10, 15 metres long, and you say, what's the point of that? But in royals, it's very important because it, it expresses, it shows, it shows their majesty, it communicates their honour. And God here, he doesn't have, say how long his robe says, he says he filled the temple. He filled it. It wasn't a robe that was 10 metres long or it was 5 metres long. It filled the temple. I mean, you can't get bigger robe than that, can you? Put those um, royal weddings to shame, wouldn't it? Fills the temple. And then he talks about the, in verse 2, he talks above him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings they cover their faces, with two they cover their feet, and with two they were flying. And you wonder, why would they do that? Did you wonder ever, why would the angels have six wings? And I went on Google, I thought I'd put an image of it, but all the images seem to be from the 14th century and 15th century, and I thought, you know what, I don't think that is for our time. And they had all these angels with their wings covering their faces and with wings covering their feet and two wings flying. And I thought, I don't think it's, I think it's much greater image than what that one was so I couldn't do it any justice and I didn't put an image on there but I believe that two of the, the images why they covered the, their feet it talks about their feet it just shows that they were created so they were not equal with God they were created beings and it talks uh, and, and it also the flying part is that they are servants it represents them being active being servants but then even though they were majestic angels they still had to cover their face and they could not see the presence of God and they were calling to one another holy holy is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is full of his glory so to unpack this verse I, I want you to notice that, if we can have the next slide, please. One more. I want you to notice that when you see the capital L with the lowercase O-R-D like you have it there, that is, the, that is the title for Adonai. So every time in Hebrew, the word Lord is spelled capital L O-R-D, it, it represents referring it's or in Hebrews is written Adonai which means master or sovereign Lord but when the Lord is in all capital letters like L-O-R-D that is the name of God Jehovah or in Hebrew Yahweh now when I did these slides it's quite interesting because I copied and I pasted on PowerPoint and every time I pasted the capital L-O-R-D went to lowercase and I think that that's a smart of technology but it wasn't meant to do it so then I went back and I had to change each one of them which I did 
I hope, so if you see that it's not correct there, it's because of the smarts of the computer, not, not what it's in the Bible. So it's in the Bible, it says it L-O-R-D in capital letters in Isaiah. So, I'm pretty, so I've changed it, so you can see it at the beginning. Um, if we go back to the first slide, Kimberly. So you see, first in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So that's talking about Adonai. And then later on when he talks about being on the throne and in the presence, he sees and the angels were saying, Holy, holy is the Lord Yahweh Almighty. Um, so when you read the scripture, you will also notice that um, as you read the scripture also that it appears and you'll see when it has a lower case, it's, it's a translation. So it's a translation from the Bible. If we can have the next slide, Kimberly, please. In Philippians, it has it with a lower case. And he says, in your relationship with one another. Now, a lot of times we miss some of the wording, yeah? I mean, I know that a lot of us knows this scripture, but did you ever notice that verse 5? That he says, in your relationship with one another. So in our relationship with us, with each other, with us, have this mind, same mindset as Christ did. So basically he's saying, you're all equal. We're all equal. Doesn't matter if you're the leader of the worship band. Doesn't matter if you're the pastor. You're all equal. We're all equal. Have the same mindset. That we're humble. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to, to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has halted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in, every, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see Lord here? And I highlighted it, or I put it with bold letters, that Jesus is Lord, that He is sovereign. Remember that He is... God, that is Adonai. That word there is Adonai. And so in the Old Testament, Lord, it referred to the Lord Jehovah. In the New Testament, it refers to the Lord Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour. It's Jesus Christ. That's who it refers to in the New Testament. And if you, um, so. If Jesus is equal to Jehovah, remember in the passage in, and we won't go to it, in uh, John chapter 8, where Jesus is talking to the religious people of his time, and they're talking about Abraham, and he's saying, before Abraham, I am. And the people knew, the people knew that he was referring to himself as being the great I am. They wanted to kill him. They didn't say we're only going to kill him because he claims that he lived in that time. No, they wanted to kill him because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be equal with God. <coughs> Jesus takes that name and applies it to himself. And also, um, when they came to get him in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, I am, they just fell to the ground, if you remember. The power that's in that name. 
So what's the point? Jesus is Lord. He's only sovereign. He's the only sovereign one, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And I guess that the point is that I think that for too long we think of God as our buddy. You know, this generation seems to talk, think that God is our buddy. That I have God and God is my friend and I shouldn't be, I don't need to fear God because he's my buddy and he'll answer my prayers. And if I have, you know, someone that's sick, I'll pray and he'll answer me. And it's, if I have a need, he'll come to me. And if I need to be comforted, he'll come to me. And it's me, me, me. And it's about me. But can, did you, do you see the picture here that Isaiah saw? And I hope that we can get glimpses of that picture of God's sovereignty, of God's holiness. That whilst we, we have this fear for him in reverence, we can also appreciate the love that he has for us. Now, we, know, we see here that, that Isaiah saw God or, or had glimpses. We know another story, that um, the story of Moses. And Moses actually received the glimpses of God's glory also if you remember. And um, the story is told in, and we, we won't go to there, but um, so Moses, God, has got this amazing relationship with Moses and Moses says, well, God, if you want me to speak to your people, you know, I'd like to see you. I'd like to see what you look like. And God says, you can't see what I look like. And so he's got this really good relationship with him and and you could almost sense that he's been there for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain and he's about to get the Ten Commandments. And God says to him, you know what? I'm going to go past and you're going to be in the cliff of a rock. But you'll only see the back of me. You won't get to see the front of me. And remember the story, then he came down to, to see his people. And what happened to the people? Could they look at him? Remember his face was shining bright and he, he didn't even notice that. But he's been in the presence of God and he only saw, probably from afar, it was smoky and he could barely see the back of God. And his face already shone with, that no one could see into his face. He says that as soon as he finished speaking to the people, he covered himself with a veil straight afterwards. God has given us some sort of understanding of who he really is. And the God that many people, like I said before, is that they think that God is one that would, it's like a Father Christmas or that would just give them everything that they want and that they need and he's at their disposal and sometimes we fall into that trap and we go to that path too. In Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 it says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. He spoke to the prophets, so the prophets had a message for them and he would speak to them and they, that's what they had. But he says, but in these days he has spoken to us by his son. Where can we get that? Where can we see? Where, where, how can he speak to us through his son? 
through, the, through His Word. The whole New Testament is about His Son. The Bible. So we need to go to the Word. We need to go to the New Testament. We need to read it. That's where we can see the Son. That's where we can see God in the flesh. Another part that I'd like to mention is in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. It's, um, it's something that we could easily miss. And he says, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. You know, when Jesus... Remember, especially in the King James, when Jesus spoke of something fairly important, what would he say? Verily, verily, I say unto you. Remember that? Some of you that used to read the King James Version, Verily, verily, I say unto you. In the NIV, he uses the word truly. Truly, truly, I say unto you. When it was something important, what do we do? We repeat ourselves. And you even see great speakers that would just say the same sentence twice because people don't get it the first time. And so he would repeat it again. And how many times do you see holy here? Do we see twice? We see three times. And then we're told in, in uh, Revelations that they are worshipping and that they are saying, repeating these words continuously, infinitely. So that's how important it is. It's not important that it says it twice. It's very, very important. Three times. So God's greatest attribute. And I know that the Bible talks about that God is love. And the Bible verse for the little kids this week was God is love. And I remembered it with Charlie because it's in 1 John 4, 7. God is love. They struggle to remember that, you know, that verse. But does it say God is love, love, love? It says it once, doesn't it? But here it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Three times. God is great. You might say that, yep, yeah, I understand all this. I understand that God is great. But like I said, is that I hope that we see God and we, we have glimpses of his holiness, of his greatness, rather than treating him like our buddy and that he will do the things that we require of him. That we see him for who he really is. Read verses 3 to 5. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voice, the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, Lord Almighty. One of the, I think I have the quote, um, one of all-time ministers that seemed to talk a lot and preach and was an authority on this subject is Dr. R.C. Sproul. And this is what he said. He said, this is the problem with the Christian church. We don't know who God is and we don't know who we are. Just before he died, this is one of his quotes. That we don't know who God is and we don't know who we are. And that's a 
what I've been trying to say all along is that we, we need to recognize God for who He is. And we need to come to Him with fear and trembling and to have that love and the compassion that He has for us and to have that back to Him at the same time. Isaiah understood all that. And like I said before, is how, why would he say yes to a God that has this message to tell the people and they're not even going to listen? But how could he say no when he could see the holiness of God? In Hebrews chapter 12, Verses 28 and 20 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Do you ever hear those words much these days, that God is a consuming fire? You just hear that God is love, you know, that God loves you, that God cares for you because we put all the emphasis on you. So whenever we have a friend, we don't want to tell him about the holiness of God, about the consuming fire of our God. We want to tell him that God really, maybe, you know, he'll come at your level, which he does. Which he does. But the message that Isaiah had for the people was different. It wasn't that it's about you. It's about God and this awesome, amazing God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. And isn't that an amazing message? Isn't that amazing that this awesome God, this holy God, and, and if we get just any, if we don't get anything from today's message, if we can just get glimpses of that image in our minds of what Isaiah saw and what John saw in there, as they try to describe God Almighty and the angels and the presence of God. And, you know, we see a lot more with images that the computer produces now and with places around the world that we all have access to, the beautiful places, beautiful beaches, awesome, amazing places that we see. We can somehow relate to a crystal lake. You know, but imagine people in the desert. Imagine someone in the desert. Could he imagine of a crystal clear lake or crystal clear waters in front of a throne? No. Could someone imagine a throne? Probably couldn't even imagine that. In Romans... Chapter 5, he says, Therefore, since we're justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. So we rejoice because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. So there is good news, the great news that this amazing God, this holy God that has angels that are worshipping Him day and night, wants still to have a relationship with us. So yes, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have access to the grace, to this grace, and rejoice in this hope of sharing the glory of God, to share with others. 
And I'd like to close with 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's because of Christ that we have peace with God. The God that struck with terror in the times of in the hearts of the people of Isaiah. He comes to us with love. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So God is saying, I want you to be holy. And you know, we know what holiness means, to be set apart. And God was set apart at a different level. And that's why he was holy, because he couldn't be compared to any other God. You know, many times he said, go and destroy the, the, the altars. He brings a king, he brings a young king in the time of Israel. And he, he says, go and destroy their altars because I don't want my people to go back to those altars. I'm set apart. I'm the only living God. Why would they try to go to those when there's no one else that exists? There's no other God except me. And so God... Here is asking us to be set apart as well. He wants us to live a life that is set apart, a life that is separates us from others, that people will be able to see just the way that we can see that God is set apart and that He's a holy God. And God has a purpose for our lives. He has a purpose. And if you stand in awe just like Isaiah did and you say, wow, how could I say no to God when He says, who am I going to send and if God is calling you and he's asking you to, and, and you hear these words, who, who's going to go? And you say, here I am, send me, Lord. He wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be holy, just like the word says here. Set apart, be holy, because I am holy. Let's pray. Father, We know that we only get glimpses of your holiness, Lord.